podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Nat Coombe Show is brought to you in association with the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. The first chance to get tickets to see Northwestern versus Nebraska at the Aviva Stadium on Saturday, the 27th of August, 2022, is through their pre-sale on Friday, the 19th of November. So visit collegefootballisland.com to sign up now for exclusive access. That's collegefootballisland.com. Head on over and sign up. Hello and welcome to College Days. Nat Coombs, Ben Isaacs, our brand new theme tune. And Ben, the question isn't what are we going to deal with on today's show? The question is what aren't we going to deal with on today's show? I've just seen the running order and my God, A, I'm surprised there is one and B, it is jam-packed. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I think if, we, if this was a college class, we would have a very packed curriculum right yes. now. A lot of things to get through, but um, this is this is how we roll. We're not going to do things by halves. This we, is, uh, we're taking people through the entire college season, God damn it. If we are, I like this idea of uh, college days being an actual college. And would you therefore be the lecturer that's, pretty cool and down with when <laughs> <down with laughs> it cuts to you you're cracking a one-line gag and uh, all of your students are <laughs> laughing because he's a cool guy. is that you i'm hoping i'm hoping that's me mm. not the not the dower one but the dower one will often know a lot more the dower one is mm. then a bit more like bill belichick um rather than say cliff kingsbury and i like cliff kingsbury uh, in fact when cliff <laughs> kingsbury was when cliff kingsbury was coach of Texas Tech and they were they were not great he clearly um he clearly had a lot of good offensive ideas but um when they were on um when they were on TV someone held a sign up saying our coach is hotter than your coach yeah Which, I mean that's what any <laughs> that's what any head coach aspires to that's what yeah I bet he was happy about that oh I bet, yeah. yeah I bet he was told about that I was like I don't care about any of that and then when he's in a quiet room just literally like looking on Twitter searching for <laughs> my coach Holton and your yeah. coach sign yeah he's, he's probably got an alert Cliff Kingsbury yeah. hot uh, well if uh, okay uh, if you are going to be that kind of character on college <laughs> on the campus and Kingsbury is going to be that kind of character we've got obviously I Mike is Rodney Dangerfield. Oh, uh, perfect. What's Matt Nagy? Oh God, he's the he's the janitor. <laughs> he's he's the janitor who poses as like the head of physics or something, and he walks right. in he walks into a class when he knows the head of physics is away, but that the class doesn't know, and he walks in and he's <laughs> got all it. these ideas, That's and the they're lessons. like, and he gets rumble. They're like, Professor, is this right? He's like, Look, I've said it's right. This is my theory of physics. We're gonna go with it. And then the dean walks in, uh, Mr. Bichansky, what do you think you're doing? And he runs out, run, runs off and gets his mop and bucket and gets out yeah. of the door. We're going to spend a, a quick moment on Monday Night Football. Uh, of course, that is why I mentioned Matt Nagy with Ben being an erstwhile Bears fan. I wanted to get his perspective on another gut-wrencher for Chicago. We've got Rookie Watch coming up as well. We're looking at cornerbacks, three cornerbacks this season who uh it's a strong class so uh, i'm looking forward to grading those presumably pretty highly uh we are looking at edge rushes in terms of the current college draft oh and there was there were some good ones now there's some good ones coming this year that's going to put a smile on ollie the producer's face of course seeing as he's the co-host of edge rush although no uh, <laughs> no connection there uh we're going to deep dive into our college football 101 ben's got uh something else for us to get our teeth into there as we build up your knowledge base 
of college football over the decades. And then three games to pick for this weekend to mm-hmm. enjoy for your viewing pleasure. So I wasn't kidding. I wasn't overstating it. It is a jam-packed show. Quick take, quick take, because we had Iron Mike waxing lyrical on our review show all about uh, the frustrations he's feeling with the quantum world of officiating that that mike is Uh big on right now so clearly we know terrible officiating the bears were robbed what i want to get from you though is a report card on on justin fields i want to see how you feel he was in that game and whether your views changing since the last time i asked you that i am blissed out on planet fields justin fields last night in that second half was just that's We've only been waiting however many decades as Bears fans for for a quarterback to come along, get drafted, and for us to feel like, okay, he can be the starter for a decade and won't just that our lives won't be a waking nightmare. Right. I he can that that the team that he's on is quite limited and the defense is bad. And he's not surrounded by superstars on offense and he's making players look good. Mm. He's making defenders miss. He's making wide receivers look better than they are. He's opening it up for running backs because the teams are scared of the way that Justin Fields can use his own legs. I'm very, I'm, I'm disappointed that the Bears lost last night, but I'm so thrilled about Justin Fields. I'm, yeah. I'm happier about Justin Fields and I am disappointed about the results. Because you don't think you're making the playoffs anyway now. No, right? so you're no. Kinda- uh, it's, so the the guy who started the Bears UK uh, fan club, Darren Conway, mm. he said to me uh, today that it was it was the perfect game because Justin Fields is looking fantastic, but it's another loss, which means Matt Nagy might get fired. So the, <laughs> the, the best of both oh, worlds in um, terms of what it means for next year. All right, well that is good. Uh, that is warming the cockles, I'm sure, of Bears fans listening to the show and it's good for us neutrals as well because I'm glad Justin Fields is working out one incredibly thing. watchable guy yeah, exactly right I want him to do well I'm sick of all this all this hate that's getting thrown around to, to young players young quarterbacks in particular within five minutes of being mm-hmm. a pro enough of that enough of that jibber jabber is what I say to that <laughs> uh, now now Ben as you know College Days is brought to you in association with the Air Lingus College Football Classic which is a nice synergy, quite frankly. I'm sure it's not a coincidence that that is our sponsor. The first chance to get tickets to see Northwestern Nebraska. It's at the Aviva Stadium, Saturday the 27th of August, 2022. is through the pre-sale on Friday the 19th of November. So you've got to visit listeners, collegefootballisland.com. Collegefootballisland.com. Sign up on there, exclusive access and be ready for the pre-sale. We'll keep reminding you, it's coming up soon. Time is flying. And also news, they've uh, announced there's going to be a game in 2023 as well. So exciting times, at least two road trips for us. Iron Mike, I know, Ben, is incredibly excited on the pod earlier this week. He was uh, talking about a, a special road trip, a meet Iron Mike, meet and greet in a bar. I mean, all kinds. He's already planning the itinerary. Oh. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And do you know what? There are going to be so many Nebraska fans who come over and mm. Nebraska may have the most most loyal fan base in college football. When do you think they mm-hmm. last had a home game that didn't sell out? Oh, I'm going 1978. 1962, my friend. What? My <laughs> yep. God, that's a hardcore yeah. fan base. Loving yeah. that. Loving that. Right. Let's get down to, let's start with Rookie Watch. I think, because we're going to look at corners. I threw a couple at you and you've added a third name as well. So let's start with Pat Sertain, the third. Is he Pat Sertain, the third or the second? Um, is he, he is the, 
yeah, he's a junior. I, I think I think there might be a few of them. Um, and maybe there's going to be maybe there's going to be more to he's come. Two. He is two. So apologies, Pat, for dropping the third. And you were number two. But maybe there are more to come. Yeah, there is. He's obviously the son of the great uh, Pat Sertain Senior, who played uh, a decade in the NFL. And, and Junior was a player that we've talked about a fair bit on the show over the last four or five months after Jeff Legwell dropped by and said and. Legwell, for those of you who are uninitiated, one of the great beat writers in the business, covered the Broncos for two, three decades, said that Pat Jr. might just be the most talented corner he's ever seen, right? Which is high praise mm-hmm. indeed when you think about some exceptional corners he would have seen. Chap Bailey, I'm waving at you. Uh, so <laughs> we figured he was going to be closer to a lock than not coming into the league and I know you were very big on him when we were discussing yep. the draft but sometimes the best will in the world the sharpest minds don't always get it right with projections so eight nine weeks into the season how's he look to you he looks absolutely outstanding absolutely outstanding um, teams are unable to pass the ball on him with any with any regular success so I saw a stat that um, in seven of his eight games Fewer than 40 yards he's allowed in coverage. If you can keep wow. that up, if you can keep that up, you're doing you're doing really well. He has been one of the better cornerbacks in the league, not just one of the best rookie cornerbacks, one of the best cornerbacks. Mm. He's he's a really exciting cornerback to watch with some of the plays that he plays that he can make, and he's very explosive, he's very dynamic. He's he it just seems that when there is a when there is a crucial like third down conversion that the opponents need to make. If it's coming his way, he's batting that ball away. It is just not getting there. I feel there have been points where he has been keeping them in games. Mm. That defense has been has been interesting. It's been a little bit up and down considering um, Vic Fangio's defensive background. Mm. Obviously, we we watched that uh, game against Dallas uh, on your radio show on Sunday, and it was... It was a fantastic defensive performance. Satan didn't even have to do that much because they were unable to get those those passes out, but he was stopping everything that came his way. Mm. He has been one of the best draft picks of the season. Is he defensive rookie of the year? Uh, I still think Michael Parsons is probably ahead of him, Um, but he would perhaps be number two. Mm. I have absolutely loved watching Patrick Satan. And he's, you know, it's, there are some players that you're like, oh, what a pleasant surprise. But with Patrick Satan, it's like, yeah, you, Figures. You have ex- you've exceeded what we've thought, and that was but, high anyway. But exactly because mm-hmm. it was already very high. Love that. Uh, where's Greg Newsom then in the mix? Another a corner that came with high expectations. Obviously, he's had some injury issues which have affected his start to life in the pros. But based on what you have seen, where are you at with him? I am also very pleased with Greg Newsom. These were these were two guys that I had a lot of confidence in because of the the teams they'd faced in college, the teams. The teams that they managed to shut down in college, they were they seemed so experienced. Um, he seems he's so great on the outside. He just he gets to the ball so quickly. He covers so well, and it's it's difficult being a cornerback in the NFL right now, right? It's it's so hard. It's so hard. And Greg Newsom, just like Patrick Sertan, has come into the league and started to make it look easy mm. because like the 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 game against the Bengals. Um, where he's up against T Higgins and Jamar Chase, um, he he just ruled the roost there. Mm. He was he was able to he was able to shut them down. I I have been. It's hard to say who has impressed me the most 
with Greg Newsom and Patrick Satan. They are absolutely fantastic. This cornerback crop this year has been just absolutely superb. It won't be as good next year, but I think it was a uh, it was a particularly high one this year. I think it's what we're what we're seeing. There have been some plays where um, where Newsom has has made a mistake that I wouldn't have think wouldn't think that Patrick Satan would make. Mm. But nothing like you would expect from a rookie cornerback. He is not getting torched. He never looks out of his depth. He looked he's looked ready made for the NFL straight away. Like he was just able to come in and do it all and has got a hell of a career ahead of him. Now, those were two players that fairly obviously, given their draft positions, we expected high things, right? There were high hopes for them both. Nate Hobbs, not so much, right? Certainly the uh, the less uh, vocal and uh, focused, I should say, college football watchers. And now, Ben, you might well have been big on him like a lot of the college sharps I think were but he dropped to Nate Hobbs the fifth round was he fourth fifth round to the yeah, Raiders he was, a fi- he was fifth round fifth rounder um, to the Raiders he's a slot corner by trade right that, yep. that's kind of his that's his bag but he is lighting things up I mean he is again like Pat Satane not just stepping up as a rookie but stepping up in the corner group altogether, right? I mean, Nate Hobbs is winning a lot of friends. So tell us more about how he's been playing. Um, he's someone who, when he was drafted, I thought, yeah, he can he can make a roster. Because I mean, there's no guarantee you're drafted in the fifth round, you're going to make the roster. Right. Uh, I felt he's someone who's going to make a roster and he's he can be a good role player. He's not been a good role player. He's been an absolutely outstanding role player. He is one of the best slot corners in the league already. Now they've got they've got a good cornerback situation in Las Vegas. Mm. But the when you've got that sort of value from your fifth rounder, where it's someone you can you can put in the slot and just they are so reliable. The I, I don't I don't think that he's allowed a touchdown all season and he's taken a lot of snaps. The stat I saw was his the longest completion that he's allowed is 34 yards. He is just absolutely lights out. I cannot speak highly enough of Nate Hobbs and there's been there've been a lot of years where people have liked to joke about the way that the Raiders have drafted that they've kind of they've sort of gone with their guts and not followed the data or whatever whatever yeah. and I think Raiders bashing is one of the most played out games in NFL fandom um, you know, Carlson I'm, had a theory about this on the show earlier in the week and I'm interested to get your quick take on it how much did Gruden override Mayock do you think were those picks Mayox? Are they Gruden's? Or? Oh, that, that's, do you know what? I, the, I would say Hobbs feels more like a Gruden guy mm. than, a, than a Mayock guy. Why? Be, because Hobbs feels like the all the analytics and data didn't look as good as when you would just see the guy on film. Mm. And I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, you know, ignore the advanced metrics, ignore the data. That's nonsense. You just got to watch the guy. I think it's a combination of the two. <laughs> And Hobbs is more of an eye test guy. Gruden's entirely that, right? So exactly. Gruden's like the kind of, he's, I bet Gruden's got like four or five old school scouts around him in his 70s who I, hate, hate, hate the uh, MIT analytics guys. Exactly. They're doing, they're doing everything on paper. Yeah. And Nate Hobbs is someone who... You've never played a second of football in your life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to give, give the Raiders a lot of credit a lot of credit here because Nate Hobbs has been an absolute diamond in the rough. And he's another one that's just got a great career ahead. 
Uh, okay, love that. That's our rookie watch. Uh, fire in hashtag rookie watch. We checked. Did we check the hashtag rookie watch, Ben? I don't think we did. I, I feel think. like Ollie should be checking that. Ollie should be checking that, frankly. But I mean, Ollie has just got. I don't know. Sometimes between me and you, uh, and. All our listeners. <laughs> yeah. Ollie's got ideas above his stations. I don't know if Ed Rush is going to his head a bit. You know, I mean, he's on on Mike on our radio show on Sundays. We've got to put a stop to that. He's talking so much on a Sunday night. Yeah, Tell, know. Too much, too much. You know, what he, you know what he started to do, which you might have heard some quite famous radio presenters are, are apparently guilty of doing this pulling down their co-host Mike and putting up their own one, right? And that's, that's what's not to happen. I'm sure the times when I'm trying to talk and, and Ollie's just coordinating uh, and concentrating uh, on him and not anything else. We're rookie Watch. Uh, let's have a look. So hashtag Rookie Watch on Twitter. Uh, well, the first is ours at the NC show because we use the hashtag Rookie Watch yeah. when, we, uh, when we push stuff out. Uh, unsurprisingly, lots of different... Oh, here we go. Hey, this is for us. I was going to say lots of different... Perfect. Uh, messages but one of the high ones hey steven adams appreciate uh your tweet uh steven at the nc show for rookie watch uh could you please look at aziz ojalari is he a potential high point of a poor season uh well ben um, do you want to do him for next week could i throw you on the spot yeah let's yeah let's let's save it let's save him for next week let's look at some other linebackers Mm. next week very happy to talk right love it okay so yeah yeah We'll, do, we'll give the Giants a bit of love and then we'll do a couple of others. We'll throw a couple of others in the mix of our backers next week. There you go. Yeah. How does that sound, Stephen? We'll like, tune into next week's show. Right, edge rushes on to them. And and this draft class, if uh, we've looked at quite a few different positional groups now, and it's a mixed bag, isn't it, in terms of overall quality and indeed mm. depth, where are edge rushes in the, in the overall scheme of things? Oh, there there are some really good ones this year. In that in that first round, at least, there's going to be some there's going to be some high profile players, and they're going to be led by Kayvon Thibodeau, who may be the most talented player coming out of this draft. Mm. Um, it'll be interesting to see if he goes first overall. Obviously, it'll depend if it's a team that's already set at quarterback. And mm-hmm. I don't think there's a quarterback good enough to be taken first overall. But stranger things have happened. So Kayvon Thibodeau um, is an edge rusher at the University of Oregon, and he missed a few games at the start of the season. He missed Oregon's most important or at least most significant win when they beat Ohio State on the road. They didn't even have him. When he came back, he was then just tearing through offensive lines. He is big. He is strong. He is fast. He is agile. He just needs to be able to turn on a dime. He just twists and turns and swims past offensive linemen gets into the backfield. And I think it's that it's that agility. It's the way that he can move his body. It's not just kind of a power bull rush. Mm. Such a hardworking player. He is brutal. I think he is going to be outstanding in the NFL. I he he can't be stopped in college. And I think it'd be very hard to stop at the on Sundays. He you know, is, I love a you know, I love a comparison, right? So is he uh, is he is he tuck? Is he OC? Is he? Um, I get I get a bit of Dwight Freeney from him. Freeney going a, going a little bit further back. Um, I I feel like a, a Freeney or even even maybe a Julius Peppers. Um, he is absolutely outstanding. He's probably my favorite out of the out of the big out of the big boys, mm-hmm. rather than kind of like kind of sleeper picks. I think he might be might be my favorite. I just love watching Kayvon. And he, and he's going to go first overall probably. So even if you're just watching Kayvon Thibodeau. 
And he's going to go first overall. He's good enough to go first overall. It just depends whether another team kind of panics and tries to take a quarterback who isn't good enough. But he, to me, is right now, he is the number one. He's the number one pick. He's the number one most talented player. But we know that they don't always go overall because Mm. people overrate and overvalue quarterbacks because it is the most important position. You got two that you think will be first rounders as well? Yeah, I, I do. I do. I mean, there's potentially more, but I'm mm. focusing on my, my, my three. So number two is Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan. Now, he is also quite big. Like he's six foot five and he is wide, but he's also pretty fast. He is kind of the, the anchor on that line and just uses his power, uses power much more than Kayvon Thibodeau relies on his power mm. um he's not started as many games as cave on thibodeau little bit i wouldn't say a little bit of experience but he just he's he is he seems quite polished now but i think there's going to be a little bit more work he'll have to do in the nfl to be able to be able to translate it and he might need to just learn a few more moves because when when they played against alabama they were able to shut him out now that was that was alabama in the 2019 season and Alabama were really good, and there's no shame in that. But well, it's pretty young as well, right? I mean, exactly, yeah. exactly. Early, early in his career, and he shared a line with Quitty Pay, um, mm. and he Pay was certainly the better player when they were together. But I feel the way that Hutchinson is developing, that he is his equal. Mm. Um, I would like to see him get more sacks. Um, sometimes he gets to the quarterback just a little bit too late, but he is getting there. Mm. Um, so much talent. So much drive, and I think it'll be uh, Michigan have been really up and down, and that's being kind under Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> but they still managed to churn out a hell of a lot of top draft picks, they're still producing a lot of NFL talent. Yeah, they just need to win more games with them. Where, just as a quick tangential point on that, how long will the Harbaugh Michigan partnership last at this Well, point? do you know, I mean, they're having a they're having a good season by their. <laughs> They're having a good season Compared by their standards. Seasons, yeah. yeah, and the thing is, is they can't beat Ohio State. Now, they've still got Ohio State on their schedule this year, so maybe this could be the year, but he's never beaten Ohio State, and that's what he's judged on. But when things were not going great for Michigan, he went to the school management and said, look, do you know what? I'll take a pay cut. You can change my contract so that you'll be able to fire me with fewer financial penalties. I want to stay here and get this done, and if I do get it done, then you'll look after me. Mm. And they were like, Okay. Like, I feel Jim, I feel Ollie should be taking notes here at this point. <laughs> well, like J- Jim Harbour is more dedicated to Michigan than Ollie is to anything. And like Jim <laughs> apart from degenerate gambling. Yeah. Like Jim Harbour, people may people may think of like, oh well, he went from the NFL back to college because he was at Stanford um before the San Francisco 49ers. And people might feel like, well, that's a backward step. The University mm. of Michigan was his dream job. That's where he was a star quarterback. Yeah. He absolutely loved it there. Yeah. He is revered. That's where he wanted to be. So the fans be. haven't turned on it because I watched the All or Nothing from, God, it must be going back like four years ago now. Yeah. Was it that season? About um, three years. Three, four years. Yeah. yeah. And y- you should check it out, listeners, if you haven't watched it already, because, and particularly if you are new to the college game or you're taking a closer look at the college game, it is really insightful in terms of illuminating this the scale of certain colleges and certain organizations in Michigan, if not the biggest, then among the top five in the country, right? I think it's fair to yep. say. And you yep. know, we all know about the 100,000 
plus fans at home games. But the, the scale of that job is absolutely not to be underestimated. And I think at times you're right. There is this, because we've seen it with Saban and Alabama, like, well, yeah, but when's he coming back to the NFL? Where hmm. you know, That's where the ultimate test is. Well, no, it's just, it's a different iteration. It's a different technique and the scale isn't necessarily greater in, in one as opposed to the other it, it is just just different and yeah so I, I that's worth a look but the my question was the fan base is still behind him despite hit and miss or are they starting to fade a little bit um there they are still kind of conflicted i think that they have had a good season but if once again they lose to ohio state and they're not competitive i think they're gonna have to the, the fans will be looking at this thinking, do we want to be a team that can win eight, nine games a season, most seasons, but we can't win the conference because we can't get past Ohio State. We can't make the playoff because we're not good enough. That's not going to cut it at the University of Michigan. Mm. One of the clearly one of the most successful colleges in the 150 plus years of college football. Mm. They have expectations to be in the mix every season. Now, you know, the playoff is a new is a new phenomenon and only four teams can make it. And there are obviously more than four teams who feel like they should be in contention every year. Mm. But Michigan is one of those places where they should be in contention every year. They've got such a massive alumni base. They've got so much money. Mm. They've, like you say, they've got the stadium filling it out with 100,000 people. There is expectation there that is off the charts. Being the, being the coach at the University of Michigan is the the pressure is immense mm. easily easily comparable with any job in the NFL because when you are in college you are in you're in a you're in a goldfish bowl mm. he's there in Ann Arbor he's not there kind of in a in like a massive massive place which is what is the situation when you're an NFL coach but this is where Jim Harbaugh wants to be mm. he loves it and nothing would give him more satisfaction and he wants to he's a fan too you know mm. he's a fan he wants them to do well just as much as those other fans. So that game against Ohio State may define his career and decide if he's going to get to stick around. Love that. All right, one more edge rusher in this year's draft class from <laughs> Purdue, George Kalafitis. Yes, and he is he is college football's Greek freak. Obviously, the NBA's got a Greek freak. <laughs> uh, and this one is from Athens. He moved to go to school in the US and took up football and... He's again another big guy. He's not he's not as quick, but he's got again fantastic strength. And he's he's someone who is you don't get a lot of kind of east-west movement from him, but he can really get through that, really get through that line. He's got a north-south. <laughs> yeah, when he's going north-south, he is very, very athletic. And then what you find is that when you watch him, it feels like his first few steps aren't that fast, but you sometimes see him chasing down a quarterback and then the speed really kicks in. And that is scary for a quarterback when they're up, they're up against someone chasing them who is significantly bigger than them. <laughs> he is a very technical guy. Um, Purdue have had an interesting season and we'll, um, I, th- I think I might put a Purdue game on, uh, on on the Let's on the list on the list because yes, you have yes, yeah, you have Ohio very, State later on. Yeah, they're a very intriguing. They're a very intriguing prospect. As is as is he, and like I think I think these are the top three right now. Mm-hmm. But there could easily be more than three that go in that in that first round. There's there's going to be a lot of good edge rushers. If you are a fan of a team and you think we need an edge rusher, then this is your lucky year. 
God, it is. Sounds like uh, you're in business, if that is the case. Right. Let's well, do your wrap with your games of the weekend. Uh, Michigan involved as well, actually, and Ohio State. So uh, some of the big guns out uh, for your Saturday into Sunday morning viewing pleasure. Before we do that, time for your college football 101. Uh, newish name, of course. Uh, still no sting or jingle. Just making that note mm. uh, to Ollie the producer. Still no TikTok, incidentally, uh, either. Classic. Just, just to be clear on that. Uh, and you've gone. Speaking of Nebraska, and maybe because we've been speaking of Nebraska, that's where you've headed this week, right? Tell us all about Tommy Fraser. Yeah. Now, someone on Twitter had said they wanted to. They wanted something to do with Nebraska. They wanted one of their national championship teams. I can't remember which of them because there's a few. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would have been one of the Tommy Fraser ones. And I'll put it plainly: Tommy Fraser is one of the greatest players in college football history and probably one of the greatest players that NFL fans in the UK won't have heard of. Mm-hmm. And that's because he was creating highlights before the internet was everywhere and he didn't play in the NFL. If he was around now, his highlights would be cropping up in your Twitter feed every Saturday night. And you'd be like, oh, who the hell is this guy? Mm-hmm. And he was an absolute machine. And he was the star player on two national championship teams at Nebraska in the 1990s. Now, let's take a quick look at Nebraska back then. So their overall record in the 1980s was 103 and 20, and that's the most wins of any team in the 1980s, but they didn't win a title. In 1993, they lost in the Orange Bowl to Florida State, and that was a game that would decide the national championship. A year later in 1994, they went undefeated and won their first title since the 70s. In 1995... Well, they repeated the trick again, undefeated, retained the national championship. And then they finished a disappointing for them sixth overall in 1996 before going undefeated again in 97, although they had to share the title with Michigan. And these are in the days where a playoff could produce an undisputed champion. So you had one group of people saying Nebraska were the champions and another group saying Michigan were the champions. So that's Mm -hmm. three titles in four years. And if you look at the five-year span, they lost three games in five years, 160, which is incredible. And some say the 1995 team was the greatest college football team in history. Mm. There's obviously a lot of turnover in college football. Players can only stay for so long. So there's never going to be one player there for an entire dynasty. But the player most associated with those 1990s championship teams in Nebraska is Tommy Frazier. He was coming out of high school in Florida as one of the hottest prospects in the nation. And Nebraska in the 80s and 90s, the way that the bowls lined up, they would frequently face Miami and Florida State in like a big bowl game at the end of the season. And they kept getting blown out. And their coach, Tom Osborne, said, right, we need faster players. That's our problem. Florida State and Miami are dominating because they are so much faster. And he saw Tommy Frazier and everyone loved Tommy Frazier. But the problem was people didn't want him to play quarterback. They felt he was going to be better as a running back or just he his running was better than his throwing as far as they were concerned. But Tom Osborne went to him and said, look, you want to play quarterback? Come to Nebraska. So he did. He got him to he got him away from Miami, got him away from Florida State, got him to Lincoln, Nebraska. And it said that Osborne wept tears of joy when it was confirmed that they were signing Tommy Frazier because he knew that was the guy. That was the guy. Big, strong, fast. Like I say, he didn't throw the ball that much, but he ran the option to perfection. And the option was huge in college football at the time. So you needed someone who would be able to read the defense and after the snap, assess whether there should be a run. Mm-hmm. And if so, who should run it uh, or whether he should pass. And much of the time, he just run himself. His 75-yard run in the 1996 Fiesta Bowl 
is considered by many to be the greatest run in college football history. And I'm making it clear, the 96 Fiesta Bowl, so that you can just search it because you'll find it. And Go maybe when it. this show goes live, we just put a link on Twitter to the yeah, run. Yeah, I love it. Amazing. He, it feels like he made everyone miss at least once and everyone tried to tackle him and they were just bouncing <laughs> off him. Um, he became a star as a true freshman. He was a hit immediately. He took over the reins of the offense in the 1992 season, made an immediate impact. And then by 94, they were the best team in the country. And he was the guy who made them tick. He was talked of as a Heisman favorite. And then disaster struck. He was diagnosed with blood clots in his leg and he missed almost the entire second half of the season. Brooke Berenger was his backup, a much more traditional quarterback. So they played a different way. He came in, helped them stay unbeaten. They reached the Orange Bowl. The title is on the line. They're playing Miami, one of their old foes. Frazier was healthy, so he started, but he wasn't playing well. So they put Beringer in, and then it went worse. Frazier did not look like he was fully over the blood clots. He wasn't right. With seven minutes to go, Nebraska are down 17-9, and Tom Osborne is like, this is why I got Tommy Frazier here. I've got to put him back in put him back in he just bamboozled the Miami defense with like these his trademark fakes because everyone was so worried about him running they just didn't know what he was going to do and he led Nebraska on a pair of scoring drives they won 24-17 and took the championship and the next year they were unstoppable with him healthy he wasn't throwing the ball much again but he was just running and faking better than anyone and that was at a time when so many teams were running the option and they did it better than anyone and they had great running backs that season they had Armand Green Mm. Lawrence Phillips players who you'll know from the NFL that season Nebraska averaged 399.8 so nearly 400 nearly 400 yards per game rushing and scored an average of 52.4 points per game Urban Meyer's high-fiving Nebraska right now right now Urban Meyer is like I need to get Tommy Frazier instead of uh, instead of Trevor Lawrence and in the Fiesta Bowl they beat the University of Florida who were just known for just throwing bombs the whole time, the whole fun and gun offense. They beat Florida 62-24. And it was thought these are the two best teams in the country, and they just annihilated Florida. NFL teams were not sure what to make of him. There was was no way an NFL team could just slot him in and run the option. No one in the NFL was doing anything like that. He played well in the end-of-season East-West Shrine game, which is a pre-draft all-star game for seniors. But once again, he had problems with blood clots. And he had that in the run-up to the combine. He wasn't healthy for the combine. He wasn't impressive at all. And teams just decided, mm, do you know what? I don't think this is going to work. And apparently he said, he's, well, he said in his book that um, he had conversations with the Eagles, that the Eagles were very interested in picking him until that happened. And that they ended up taking Donovan McNabb. And obviously course, that worked yeah, out yeah. really well. But Tommy Frazier went undrafted. He ended up signing for the Montreal Alouettes right. of the Canadian Football League. But even that didn't work out. He was on blood thinners because of the blood clots. And during the season, yet they, the blood thinners put him in hospital mm. and he just had to retire. And it's, it's a bit of a sad end to an outstanding career. But this is what he would have been drafted now? This is, this, is, this is what I've been thinking. Like, in a way... I think he could do it. Now, he's, his passing would need to improve, but he was so dynamic. I think you would find a place for him. I think he would get drafted. I think he wouldn't. I don't think he'd be kind of a first round guy, but someone, someone would take a shot with him. I mean, Tim Tebow is a, a more modern version um, of Tommy Frazier. 
But Tommy Frazier would, would, could run the ball better than Tim Tebow and arguably could pass the ball better than Tim Tebow. Mm. I'd be really intrigued because he, like, like, he was one of the most impactful players in college football history. One of the best big game players ever, a bit like Tim Tebow. Mm. But Tim Tebow was revered more than Tommy Frazier. Like, like, it took Tommy Frazier a long time to get elected to the College Football Hall of Fame, mm. partly because people were like, oh, well, he didn't throw the ball very well. Well, I mean, <laughs> it wasn't that because he didn't throw it very often. That was, that was just the, that was the system. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a shame that it took so long. And he's a broadcaster now. He covers Nebraska. And, you know, they love him in Lincoln, Nebraska. Mm. And who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll be in Dublin. And if yeah, oh, I, I hope so. That we, you know, we can, we can, we will definitely sink a beer or two with with Tommy Frazier in Dublin. Hey, would, brilliant stuff, Ben. One final footnote on this is is what happened to Brooke Berenger, right? Well, Brooke Berenger did not have um, did not have the college career that um, did not have the career that uh, Tommy Frazier had. He was. Um, let me see. Did he go and did he go and play? Did he go and play with them after a while? I, I'm trying to think of whether he. I'm having. I did a plane I, crash. Yes, that was the bit that I did know. I was trying to remember if he managed to play after after Tommy Frazier. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so as a senior, he was a backup. Yeah, uh, and then he died. He was expected selected in the draft. This is Wikipedia, right? Yeah, so yeah, that, yes. That's 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 correct. He was. It was like not not as in like a first round guy or a starter or anything, but it was thought that he had the tools. He was, he was a pretty smooth passer. And right. like I say, very different to Tommy Frazier, the sort of player that does get drafted even in a late round and mm. bear in mind, 1996, there were more rounds. Mm. So there were more players, there were more players picked, but, um, but yes, he was, um, he was, he was the pilot, right? He was, he was flying the plane and he, um, he crashed the plane. He was flying the plane. Wow. Oh, tragic story. Brooke Berenger. Yeah. Well, raising a glass to him and uh, saluting uh, the brilliant, brilliant uh, Tommy Fraser and uh, go and seek out some highlights. As Ben said, that is uh, absolutely video game level. Cheat code. Yes. level. Yeah. Right. Very quickly, before we get out of Dodge, three games, four games. What am four, I game, four games. Four games to watch this week. Yeah. It starts with Penn State versus Michigan at 5 p.m. Michigan are still technically in the playoff hunt. They've got one defeat. They lost to Michigan State. Penn State, they've been, they've been good at times and then bad at times. This is a game that Michigan cannot afford to lose, but Penn State's going to push them really, really hard. Michigan have to, have to, have to win. 8.30s are straight after Ohio State hosting Purdue. Now, Ohio State should beat Purdue comfortably, but the thing is, the Purdue Boilermakers, Iowa were ranked number two. Purdue destroyed them. And mm. then Michigan State, the week after beating Michigan on a massive high, Purdue destroyed them. Purdue have got more wins against ranked teams while they're unranked than any other team in history. This is what they do. They spoil seasons. They just ruin things. If Ohio State lose, their season is done. It's all on the line there. At midnight, Ole Miss... So they're the Purdue Boilermakers. The Boilermakers, a.k.a. the the Spoilermakers. Yes. Yes. How many other people have gone to that way? Many. Mm-hmm. many but it is still funny um at midnight Ole Miss Texas A&M Ole Miss have been a lot of fun to watch with Lane Kiffin this season really uh really exciting team to watch Texas A&M they're not ranked super 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 high right now but they can still make the playoff because they've beaten Alabama if they are able to keep winning 
And if Auburn beat Alabama, it'll be Texas A&M versus Georgia in the SEC championship game. And anything could happen. So Texas A&M are an outside shot for the title. But again, you'll notice a theme here. They cannot afford to lose. And that's there's all these teams that I'm talking about here are teams that cannot afford to lose with really tricky games. Mm-hmm. If you can deal with it, stay up. 3.30 a.m., Oregon hosting Washington, Washington State. Washington State are a very unpredictable team. Sometimes they look fantastic. Sometimes they look terrible. Oregon have one defeat this season. They are very much in the playoff hunt. They lost to Stanford, and they should not have lost to Stanford. That was a terrible, terrible loss. But they did beat Ohio State on the road, one of the most impressive wins of anyone this season. But they cannot afford to lose a game. So that's Michigan, Ohio State, Texas A&M, and Oregon. In effect, one defeat away from elimination. And that's what's good about weekends like this in college football in November. Teams' seasons will be destroyed by one defeat. And you don't get that in the NFL. You can ride out those defeats and make the playoffs with seven defeats. Mm. That doesn't happen in college football. Every week matters so much. High stakes poker indeed. Brilliant stuff, Ed. I know you'll be... uh glued to your set from about five o'clock all the way through to 5am by the sound of it. Um, just reaching out for uh, your mini fridge full of beer and an occasional bathroom break. Um, yeah. And put the puppy outside for the toilet. Put the, yeah, indeed. Put the puppy outside. Uh, brilliant work. Uh, I'll be seeing you Sunday for our radio show. That is uh, five o'clock talk sport to every Sunday across all the red zone action on the NFL. Lots of special guests dropping by there as well. So make sure you're tuning in for that. More where this came from. Tom Deke is in the house this week for our preview show. Always fun catching up with Deeks. Uh, Ollie's back. Uh, Propo, aka the Unders King of Plumpton, aka Ollie the producer with Edge Rush. Uh, he's on fire. Loads, I have to say it, Ben. He's starting to he's starting to blaze a trail. Much like the uh, college playoff system. You know, one defeat in our head-to-head is a problem. A couple, mm. you're in, in deep, deep water. And I've lost two Drew Locks of the week back-to-back. So I am in trouble. Derek Carr, and I'm not going to knock him because you know how much I love Carr. Mm-hmm. My God, that that fumble cost me a big, a big last week. So I'm due <laughs> a bounce-back week, but Ollie is uh, swaggering his way uh, to the bank at the moment. So we'll be getting into all the action between... Uh, Propo on Edge Rush and Tom Deacon on our preview show. Most of the week 10 action. And as I mentioned a bit earlier on, I am Mike back in the vault. A Brit- he was in vintage form, i got to say. Brilliant Carlson earlier on this week. So go and listen to his styling and profiling, uh, to quote the bard. Ben, equally brilliant from you. Look after yourself, bud. Yeah, see you Sunday. See you Sunday. We'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Podcast Network.